If you've ever wanted to meet the person behind the person, to hear the story behind the story, or just want to learn what makes successful people tick, how they navigate through the tough times, and how you can apply what they do to help in your journey, then stick around and join Global Change CEO turned mentor, Stu Hayes, as he asks questions just like these to our amazing guests each week on Careers Unplugged. If you feel being happy, committed, and passionate about your career is important, you are absolutely in the right place. Welcome to Careers Unplugged. My name is Stuart Hayes, and today we're going to have an absolute blast because I'm sitting across the table from a guy called Paul Luchak from White Sky Music, a guy who I have not had a great conversation with, or a great length of conversation with for about... 10 years we worked out. Is that about right, Paul? Yeah, that's, that's about right. I think around 2005, 2004. Yeah, about 2005 when he was in the yeah. really early stage of his career and at that stage um, had the opportunity to work with Paul during a summer cadetship that he was involved with. And since then, he has uh, followed his passions incredibly. This is a great story. So, uh, Paul, how did it start? Let's go back... Um, all the way to the beginning. Okay. Talk us through what, when we first met, which was 2005-ish, 4 Yeah, 2004, around that time. So I guess from, if we even go a little bit further back to that, uh, I guess I had, uh, I came from a background where uh, my family was involved in quite a lot of small businesses. So cafes, restaurants, photographic businesses. It was like a plethora of different small businesses. And it kind of gave me a, an exposure to... I guess what it takes in terms of running a business. So that was kind of my early childhood experiences in terms of, you know, seeing my parents, you know, deal with, with everything that comes along with running your own business. And accounting was one of those, I guess, natural progressions in terms of how it fits in with business and, and making sure that, you know, you understand um, the financial consequences of, of the decisions you make. So it was, it was one of those easy choices for me that as I was sort of finishing up high school, I decided that a, a commerce background, majoring in accounting was, was really going to be a, a, an easy path for me. So uh, during, during those days as well, I, I continued working in, in, in various small businesses from woodyards to, to cafes. Well, mate, I, I, I recall when we first met, um, and I was the CEO of Macquarie Collins at the time, and, uh, which, which, as you know, was a, um, a joint venture with Deloitte, yep. which is where we met because you were coming to do a, a summer cadetship um, with Deloitte, I think. And uh, was that right? Or? Yeah, basically. A, a slightly yeah. different... It wasn't an official cadetship, but it was basically some experience to, to one of their divisions there. Yeah. So, and they, yeah. Assigned, they assigned you in part to work with me for a, a small period and, or whatever. We just seemed to have a lot of lunches together is my recollection. <laughs> yeah. I actually, to be honest, I still didn't... You know, I didn't really understand what was going on and what we were trying to achieve. But, you know, you did a good job in terms of pointing me in the, in the right direction. And you know, I guess from those early days, you know, it was, it was great to have someone that was slightly outside of the regular model to, to use as a mentor and ask questions in, you know, in those crazy early days of, you know, what's in store for me. <laughs> yeah. Now, you, I think at the time um, you were playing in, uh, you're playing music in a, in a couple of bands. Yeah. Um, 
And you also were importing amps from America, from you know old ladies who were clearing out their cupboards of their son's gear, I think, and yeah. getting them to I, Australia that, and flogging them on eBay or, or something like that. Um, I, <laughs> I, there was a little bit of that, but that was more of a passion than, a, yeah. um, than an actual business as per se. It was just something that I loved collecting vintage equipment and, and you know, it's sort of eBay was kind of at that time was you, you know just, starting. You, just yeah. starting and you could get a lot of great gear from overseas that yeah. you couldn't or you would pay a, a huge premium to get directly here in Australia. So, well, I guess where I'm where I'm curious and for the listeners at home, this is sort of where my knowledge of Paul's progress finishes because uh, we lost track of each other for a period. Um, and I'm really quite excited to to fill in the gaps live in this episode now. Um you you were passionate about music. We're now sitting in White Sky Music in Melbourne. Um, you work with pretty much most of the major acts indirectly from around Australia. Fill us in. You know what happened after that? After we last saw each other, what, you, you were passionate about music. How'd you get here? Well, it kind of started back from those early days when we um, met. I I was kind of hungry to to start trying to combine my passion with my you know, my accounting background and I, I remember sitting in those early days and just thinking like starting to search the database and going what historical clients have been running through the system and going how can I actually start building an entertainment department but you know the the experience and the um, opportunity that I got there was really great but it was it kind of became apparent that you know in 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 a very short um, time that this probably wasn't going to be the right path for me and not give you know not be able to feed that hunger I had to try to develop something and and st- and com- and really combine my passion with um, with with the accounting side so that's kind of where at, at that stage as well I decided to move on and it was I was kind of at a crossroads of my life because I wasn't sure do I want to keep heading down the accounting path or do I want to maybe look at you know going into something else completely and I was I was actually looking at an advertising role at that stage and it was kind of around that time where um, a mate of mine met my current business partner because he went for a role and he ended up getting uh, the job offer and at, but at that same time, he also went for a, a, a banking role and he also got the job accepted. And he, he was at a bit of a crossroads thinking, well, do I want to combine my passion for music as well with my accounting background or do I want to go into, a, I guess, a safer role and, you know, have the whole big cog that comes with a big banking system? And it was so he ended up turning down the job, but he called me that night and said, Look, I've met this guy. He's, you know, started a business about three, four years back. And, um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, you would fit perfectly for the role. So I ended up calling him the next day. He gave me an interview and we caught up. I remember we were down at Spencer Street and we, um, went to the pub there. He talked about his vision and plans on, um, how, you know, how he, he believes he was going to, um, start building the business. And I just thought, like, it's just come at a perfect opportunity to go, well, I guess maybe a bit, bit of coincidence. You know, I'm trying to combine something to do with my mu- passion for music and my accounting background. And that's kind of where it was just like, it was a, I couldn't refuse, 
you know, taking the chance. And it's like, well, I could have done something safer. I could have gone, you know, continued um, going down the traditional accounting path or I could have gone into a, you know, a, a, a bigger public listed company or something. But it was just the whole combining music, combining my background and then combining my passion for business and small business and trying to get my teeth into, you know, start helping something grow was, you know, it was it was the right path. The, the perfect storm, the, the, perfect the beautiful storm. storm. Yeah. Do you, I mean, you're looking around the office now. So out of your boardroom, you know, through the window here, I can see there's a there's probably what 15 desks in this room alone. Um, is that something that you try to foster with your staff today as well to follow yeah, their passion? It was, it was a. It's both myself and my business partner. We put a lot of emphasis in terms of the culture in the office. It's really important for us. Like we're all entertainment based. We're the opposite of like a you know a traditional corporate sort of culture in terms of we're all casual clothes here. You know, um, we we have a few drinks at. Um, uh, you know, various evening hours and we, you know, we've got music playing through the office. And I guess what sort of inspired me were the offices like Google and those really creative sort of advertising um, companies where you just stand there and it's kind of, it, it's sort of beaming with, you know, with, I guess, more of a happiness or joy than a straight, you know, heads down, do your work kind of culture. So while, you know, the accounting industry in its own right doesn't really foster that kind of culture. You know, we've done our best shot to to try to, you know, bring in some of those elements into the business. I mean, it's a, it's a really good comment. Um, and so just for the listeners, um, maybe just talk about what White Sky does, just put that in context. Yeah, so uh, I, the core of what our business is is that we provide business management services for predominantly for artists, but also comedians, TV personalities, uh, service-based businesses, record labels and management companies. And basically what, what that is is like we're financial controllers for these businesses. And because we're in the entertainment and arts industry i guess that you know i think i feel like what we do is very valued by our client base because a lot of them aren't from backgrounds of business and you know whether it's the management companies or the clients themselves it's very artistic driven so the unlike i guess if you look at some other industry where the ceo or the manager may have some kind of business experience and financial experience to help you know guide their direction it's 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 a lot um, you know, it's not not quite the same as in the entertainment industry. So we, like I personally, and I, and I feel like our staff as well, get a lot out of being able to help our clients, you know, grow their business because really they're there from a creative, you know, passion. Do they, do they sort of see it as a business? I mean, a lot of the artists, um, do they recognise that that they are actually a business, or that is it? It's probably it. It's it's an interesting comment. It's a, a question. It's probably 50 50 i reckon Mm. and in the early days it's definitely not really seen as a business it's all about this is my passion you know i don't care that i'm living below the poverty line this is just what i want to do and i don't want to do anything else so Mm. in that sense it's not really as business oriented but eventually as things get bigger and you know all the all the costs that come with getting bigger turns it naturally into a business and the emphasis at some stage even though some clients uh, not 
you know, really money focused, um, it comes into play always at some stage, whether it's five years down the track or, you know, at, at some stage you need to start making a real living. So, um, to have some kind of future. I mean, you, you were, I guess, uh, also were a muso, you know, you've, yeah. you've lived the rock and roll lifestyle. You've been on the road, you've toured internationally. Yeah. Um, did you find that the combining the two was tough? Or natural. Uh, look, it's it's very hard to break into that next level in the entertainment industry if you're, you know, running a second job. So mm. I kind of I struggled in that, you know, that as well. Part partly was the reason as well as things was growing here at White Sky that didn't allow me to to put in the time I needed <clears throat> to help that music side grow sure. outside the natural <laughs> creative ability but it's um you know i think i think it's a really important thing for you know the whole entertainment industry in its own right to to try to focus on is having some form of back you know life after music mm. because it's it's a part that i actually feel quite passionate about because unlike i guess if i sort of can compared to like elite sports sports athletes yeah. and i think the culture from the managers and management involved in 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 those areas is they they you know they put in an emphasis in terms of life after sport whether it's getting a trade whether it's you know starting some uni degree or having saying after but it's it's really not that strong in in the entertainment industry and it's quite a depressing um mm. you know fact because at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it, it takes it's a very expensive business to run and to make a, a really good living. It's you know, it's a very small percent of all the hundreds of thousands of musicians that are um, <coughs> that are you know touring in Australia and and recording. And so, it's I, I I give it my best shot to try to when we work with our new client, we know that things are you know building quickly and they've got their new record deal and their publishing contract and you know everyone's high-fiving <coughs> at the start to, to get started in terms of planting the seed about let's start being a little bit more savvy with the money and start putting some aside as much as possible to start planning for the future whether it's even you walk away with just a house deposit at the end of this run because it could be a, it could be a year that you've got or it could be you know five years and like could be ten years but the the longer mm. you know your career is the um you know it's it is it is fascinating you know i mean i i've had um the pleasure of having a bunch of of elite athletes and former athletes on the show this year and um that theme of the uncertainty of life after sport when you when you're a professional athlete um you know what can you do to build something for the future and, and and actually reflecting on it now, for people in the music industry and entertainment, it's um, whilst their career could be a lot longer than sport, um, it's a lot less certain. You know, it, it seems to be. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot less yeah. money in it than people think. And, and you don't have the the thing with professional sport is that normally you're plugged into a system with coaches and and uh, and resources that are becoming increasingly available, and they're realizing that. They need to look after the professional athletes to help them, right? So, whereas in the music industry, it's probably quite different. Uh, I, I imagine that because anyone can just start without having the resources around them. Yeah, um, that's right. And and likewise, resources like what you provide too. To, yeah, 
and and we're usually at the end of the pro end of the team when it comes to our clients sort of building their own careers they'll get the manager and the booking agent and they'll then they'll get you know they'll have their lawyer and we're pretty much at the end of the puzzle so sometimes as well we may come too late in the game in terms of you know end, ending up trying to clean clean their financial <coughs> side up and um and trying mm. to work back through tax debts and the like so it's a um yeah well, I mean, you know, the media is always reports that when a when a famous entertainer gets in trouble with their financial affairs, it seems to be a bit of a, a, a popular topic to report. Yeah, that's right. Would you benefit from a business coach or mentor who's the real deal? Or from a training program customized to fix real problems or help you and your team hit actual KPIs and performance targets? Stuart Hayes stepped away from his career as a global change CEO and committed to mentoring, coaching and training a new generation of leaders as well as anyone seeking positive impact through their business or career. Visit stuarthayesleadership.com now. Book a free one-hour strategy session with Stuart and learn how you can get the skills, training and knowledge normally limited to selected staff within Tier 1 multinational organizations. Programs are available for every need and budget. So what, for you guys, um, have, you, have you had tough times in this journey or is it sort of, I mean, you're growing at a rapid rate these days. I mean, just give us some flavor of the numbers of staff that, and the, the size. Um, so we have around 31, 32 staff at the moment so and we've got around 350 clients and uh, uh, there's there's around 200 that we business manage mm. and we've still got as well a, um, a bookkeeping department where we, we provide basic bookkeeping services and some add-on management reporting and the like for those clients so it's really split in those two um, systems and look we've had an amazing amount of growth over the especially over the last three years and it's it's come with its challenges in terms of uh, you know trying to adapt and and make sure that everything's sustainable and that we're managing this process well and you know i think it but as well i think it's been a really exciting time for all our staff and longer term staff to be part of this process and see something grow um, at such a quick rate and you know it's kept them interested and 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 you know keep keep having them to develop in their roles and higher expectations and you know and um, I guess you know they're um, you know they've got to be meeting more deadlines and the like so come, <laughs> come with some challenges so I mean how do you how do you balance that with um, you know you've got as you mentioned earlier the importance of culture is something that you identified early um, how do you safeguard the culture when you've got uh, uh, more busyness happening in the office you know more stuff to do yeah it's a you know it's a it's a tricky one uh i guess what we've tried to continue to to do you know every, every month is just really focus on our different staffing levels and we've been evolving with new management levels every six months and so really it's about workflow planning for us and just trying our best to introduce and, and put in resources we need and you know and staff to to try to not get our top um, top staff you know overloaded and and, mm. and make it sustainable so it's just a it's a frantic sort of um, evolution and what about on the on the client side um, you know your ability to continue to represent your clients well to help them um, 
is that put under pressure by growth or or is it a, you know yeah how is how's that going yeah well naturally you know it it, it becomes a challenge to because everything we do is is service based like um, you know, our clients to a degree don't really care how good we are at our debits and credits and our, you know, sure. technical side. It's all service based and making sure that they feel that everything's being looked after, taken <clears> care <throat> of. And we're, we're kind of the go-to guys in, in that sort of financial sector for our clients. And even though we then, cause we business manage our clients for the world and we've got teams of financial advisors and accountants and, you know, tax specialists all around the world in different territories, depending where our clients come. They still come to us because they want us to explain it to them in layman's terms, and and really that comes down to that whole relationship and 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 service focus. So, you know, that's I guess going back to your original question, it is a challenge because the the more clients you grow, the less time that that particular team has to focus on their on their service. So. It's just a continuous workflow planning situation for us <laughs> to try to, you know, ensure that our current clients aren't suffering um, with, you know, with the addition of a new client. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, you know, you talked about communicating in layman's terms, and I've also found that, you know, that uh, often the greatest value that you can provide your staff or your clients is to be able to simplify things down into into very simple terms that are clear and understandable you know when, when, particularly when they're uh, needing to get their heads around things that are not natural skill sets like finance you know yeah, yeah. so you know what what's uh, how do you sort of what are the 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 core areas that you try to keep your staff focused on in terms of not the doing things each day but the bigger picture yeah um you know the service type things the way of being rather than the way of doing yeah well look Going back, I guess, to the start and the start of a new client um, setup, the whole building the trust and the relationship part is is such an extremely important element for our business because it's those early first few months where that trust and that relationship is set up, which then sort of dictates usually how the engagement is going to go on for you know the next year or you know the next five years. So it's we we try to put a lot of emphasis in 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 i guess those early few months and making sure that the client starts to feel at home and feeling relaxed and and that's where our, our staff you know put in a lot of effort to to, to i mean how, how do you how do you select staff that are, are best suited to do that type of thing for you um it's well when it comes to like myself and my business partner we um we interview and we hire all our staff and and i guess it comes down to those early stages of when we're going through the hr process the one of the first things we look for is culture and whether they're going to fit into the culture so you know they it's really academic grades and 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 previous experience is probably you know a second to how they're actually going to fit into the business uh, because what we do is so highly specialized that for you know whether it's a graduate accountant or a 10 year financial controller there's not a massive difference for us in terms of outside having to pay the financial controller a lot more money um, in terms of choosing which um, which potential candidate we go with because it really comes down to they have to go through <laughs> our internal training programs start learning the intricacies of our industry and how it works so really we just want to find someone that we know um, culturally is going to fit into 
mm. in with the business. I mean, it's interesting you say that. I, I know uh, I started my career at KPMG and uh, in that period I was involved in recruiting the graduates and the the graduate program at KPMG really is focused on three questions. Um, the first question was, can the person do the job, i.e. do they have the skills, um, the intellectual horsepower, if you like? Secondly, um, will they do the job, which is are they motivated in the first place? Uh, and the third one was will they fit in? But what you're really saying is go the other way around, you know. Um, will they fit in, firstly, um, knowing that they're going to have to have the, the basic yeah. knowledge and skills to, you know, to be here, um, yeah, and, and, and then closely followed by what are their motivations in their second. It's kind of yeah. – it's a sort of a reverse of that order because, you know, we need we need to have someone that's going to fit in yeah. into here and they – because, you know, over time I guess we, you know, our own experience and learning curve of of maybe hiring people that fit outside that mould, it's it's never <coughs> really worked out too well. So that's mm. you know, that's why that – So so someone rocks up to the interview with a suit on, how's that go down? Uh, it's, it, it's, it, it, I don't really put too much emphasis on that because I know yeah, that any yeah, other yeah. normal person would be expecting they that they're rocking up in a suit and they quickly learn. So by the time they, they, if they make it to the second round, they, they turn up the next day in casual clothes, which is, which is always interesting. Um, but yeah. And, about, and then about, really the motivation part's a really big, big one because it's, it's like, what are your aspirations? Where do you get? You know, where do you see yourself in five years? How how do you think you're going to fit within this model? Mm. Because we want someone that's going to be, you know, that actually has a passion for what we do and try to see that this is some kind of long-term. Uh, so why, why, I mean, I've got my own very strong views on this space, as you probably guessed, but yeah. in terms of um, for you, uh, you've followed a career that's followed your passion and you've had this amazing collision of, um, you know, an area that was of your education um, with your passion for music um, and your passion for starting a business. How do you sort of assess that in a candidate that they truly have a passion for what you guys do? Um, yeah, so it's, it's a tricky one and you can just go by, um, it really comes to just sort of, um, t- feeling out some questions and just trying to, you know, catch out, um, some of the usual questions about, you know, where do they see themselves and, mm. you know, what are they, you know, have they got aspirations to travel and, and kind of yeah. trying to play some trick questions. And, 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 and I feel like after, you know, a half, half an hour sit down, you start to sort of get an idea of where they are at their, at, at that particular point in, in their lives. Mm. And, you know, you can, um, you can quickly gather when someone you know's <coughs> done the travel thing and um, and they're ready to settle down and they've suddenly got the passion they're going you know they've got some education that they're working towards and yeah. as opposed to <laughs> someone else that comes in and you know they're um, and you can just very quickly tell that um, they're just here to to pass a bit of time and then move on somewhere or you know, head off overseas. So. And what about what about uh, values alignment? I mean, for me, I found that you know one of the the most important things, particularly when a business is stressed, which yours is not, but when businesses are stressed, um, most advisors or or you know CEOs even would get in there and try to cut costs. But I've actually found that if you can align people's values. Um, and get the right team who are engaged, then that actually the team will 
achieve they'll outperform what they've been doing and turn the thing around when you, there's a few things to do that but in, in for you guys um what what are the values that you really try to make sure that your your staff share uh i guess um uh attention to detail and organization is really critical for all our staff because mm. what we do you know we have uh, where like if we take a traditional accounting practice and you know you may have a client and have one or two you know jobs that you have to workflow a year a tax return and a, and a tax planning meeting or an annual catch-up like we've got hundreds of jobs on the go on a weekly basis in terms of what we do so it, it's really important for all our staff to have to just be super organized and and you know just have attention to detail and 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 be able to really manage their own um, workflow. Like that's such a such a critical um, you know bunch of traits that we need our staff to to possess. Before we uh, started the interview, you were talking about how your sister is starting in our business, and you know you've been involved in that too. You're yep. passionate about starting businesses. Um, what advice would you give to someone who you know is it at a, at a you know, doing something perhaps they don't love to try to find um, where the spark is of passion, and then to start a business from that. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a it's a tricky one because it's um, in one sense, you know, it's everything I've done in my life seems like a bit of a a risk. But to be honest, I'm pretty a, a conservative character when it um, when it when it comes to everyday living and. Um, I think you need to have, you know, it's at different stages of your life that you can take different risks. Obviously, the earlier you are and the less commitments you have, the easier it is to go and, and, and take different risks in life. Um, so I think, you know, it doesn't, as long as you can sort of think strategically in your own um, life and career path, what you want to be doing, and you can see that there's going to be some backups in case it doesn't work what you're planning to do. I think that's the key is really just forward planning and, and, you know, not just thinking about where am I going to be this year, but where, where do I want to be in five years? And if this road doesn't, you know, work out, how am I still going to get to those, um, to those goals? Yeah, I mean, I think that that would have been good advice for me to have listened to last I spoke to you 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, I mean, most famously for me, my uh, my big um, turning point of my life really came um, through a business that failed that I'd founded where, you know, just after I'd left Macquarie Collins actually as the CEO there, um, and I didn't follow my own my own uh, advice. You know, I got, I got uh, I made some, um, a sequence of bad decisions um, and didn't have the backup you know and it's actually it was an incredible learning point and I'm actually really grateful for it now because it's changed so much about who I am and and how I work with businesses um, but had I had that uh, that this, this discussion right now <laughs> with you <laughs> maybe I'd have done some, some things a little dif- differently and not put all the eggs in one basket yeah hey um, we are really running out of time here Paul um, I just wanted to say thank you so much, mate. It's uh, we've just smashed through half an hour. With I feel like we're only just getting to scratch the surface of uh, of um, this topic, you know, around around culture, around what you're doing, around following your passions. Um, what would be the golden nugget of advice you'd give to someone who was thinking of, you know, getting out there and following their passion 
um, and starting a business. Yeah. Would it be around that risk management stuff? Yeah, I think the risk management, like just just make sure you really you know map out where you want to be. Make sure you you know set up a great business plan and just have contingencies. Have contingencies is life. If it doesn't work. Where am I going to go next? So that's one. I guess it's a bit cliche, but really life is just like playing chess, it's trying to think a couple moves ahead. Well, thank you. And to all of you at home, in the car, or wherever you are, thanks for joining us. We hope the insights provided by Paul are going to help you in your journey. Make a point of delivering, of delivering, of visiting careersunplugged.com or Facebook forward slash careersunplugged. Check out all the resources that have been designed especially to make you and your journey a success. This has been Stu Hayes and Paul Duchak on Careers Unplugged.